0: Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. I think you're going to find I started my sermon a little early this morning. That continuing to celebrate that we're into summer, thank goodness and things are making their way back to normal. And I don't know about you, but I find myself really, maybe more so than any time in the, since I've been an adult, at least since I've had kids, I'm more excited about leaning into this summer and doing summer in a way that I haven't in a long, long time. I believe, and I hope for you, that we are all in for one of the more memorable summers of our lives. I pray that, you know, when we go to that typical vacation spot, it's just a little more fun this year than we, you know, some of, I'm always talking about fair to you all. When we roll up to fair, that it's going to be just one of those fairs that you're like, you know what, this is special to be back here again. I hope even the normal things take on a little extra meaning this year. That is my prayer and my hope for all of you. So I'm excited about this. But there's also this air sometimes that happens in church where everybody's like, well, that's all well and good, but we don't, you know, attendance always goes down and we're concerned about what's happening and people make decisions to do other things and seem, things seem to slow down a little bit. And so, my experience, maybe it's not yours, but my experience has always been there's like this little added layer of anxiety around church throughout the summer months because, like, well, we're not sure where everybody is, we miss everybody. And it's almost like faith, like, we split our lives into two categories. We have this one category of like school, job, and church. And then we have this other one of like vacation, leisure, fun. And as if church has nothing to do with all of those fun things that we do, certainly we wouldn't want to talk about those things in church. That might get us into trouble a little bit. But is that true? Is there a way that faith throughout the summer might not just be part of our summer, but might be a really important and serious part of our summer? Is there something unique about these summer months that we can accomplish something in our faith that maybe we could not accomplish at any other time of the year? And so for this week and the next two weeks, I'd like to take a look at some of the spaces that summer may call you and me into. And I wanna look at what those spaces might mean for those of us who are in those spaces And what it might look for us, how might we think about these spaces for our brothers and sisters as a church? Maybe, just maybe, for a congregation, a community of faith, this summer can also be amazing. Not because we've separated faith out, but because faith becomes very much a part of what our summer is all about. I'm reminded of something that Reverend Harvey said last week um, in our guest preaching. She said that in this season of Pentecost, God does not limit holy moments to holy spaces. And this is certainly true of the summer. But sometimes, friends, our language betrays our actual belief. Surely we all mentally assent to the idea that God is everywhere. But it often sounds like when we're talking about it, like, yes, God is everywhere, but is more everywhere in some places than others. Sometimes even without knowing it, we still kind of believe that there's a presence of God here in a space that's not quite the same as everybody else. And if we're really serious about God, then ultimately this is is the best place to get God. And surely there is something special about it. But yet at the heart of Pentecost, the season into which we've just begun, the heart of the message of Pentecost is that God is unleashed on the world. For those of us who profess Christ, our most faithful position doesn't doesn't lean away from that. It isn't scared of the idea that God is unleashed in the world. Rather, it leans into the ways that God shows up in the ordinary and the everyday. And the Christian will cultivate great curiosity, purpose, and intentionality around that. And so my sermon for today is called God in the Bleachers. Because this this question of how God shows up everywhere hit me in the face in a really profound way this week. As I was out and about on my clergy journeys, someone said to me, church isn't just the same as it used to be. And what do you think the culprit was? Why is church not the same as it's ever been? Why is it that people are less interested in church? There's always a couple of answers, but there's always one that rises right to the surface when we talk about why why people don't come to church and why things are different. The answer... You know it and I know it, even if your German piety doesn't allow you to say It's sports. Yeah, you all nod. Online folks, they're all nodding in here. They're very pious, but they all nodding. If it wasn't for all these games and leagues, right, churches would be doing a lot better, correct? There are always other culprits as well, but sports is always one of the main problems of the church, right? That same day, I was coaching for my daughter Brenna who's a baseball player, not a softball player. Never, ever, ever ask her how, how softball's going. She doesn't play that sport. She's a baseball player. And on that same day, I was, coaching, I was coaching over in Manchester, that's where our team is, and I'm cleaning up after the game, putting all my catcher's gear away because my catchers aren't capable of doing that, apparently. All right. And an old friend of mine, whose kid I had coached for the last four years, the first year I haven't seen him, he comes over and he says, hey Sam, got this idea. We're thinking about putting together a travel team and we'd like Brenna to be a part. So forgive me if my dad chest expands that my girl is beating the boys at their own game. I'm very, very proud of this. But as soon as you hear the word travel team, you're thinking Sunday. And I said, look, dude, you know I I got things to do on Sunday. You guys, I know, I know, but maybe we can figure it out. And over the years, as this has developed, church and family have often found themselves at odds with one another when the families want to do things. The idea that my daughter was asked to play on a team is really special. But then there's also this, well, what happens with church? And let's be honest, often the church loses that battle. And it is concerning. How do we think about these things? Well, here's the deal with sports from an athlete. There may be nothing more akin to religion in an American experience than The practice of sports. Undoubtedly, sports has even changed our expectations of what religion ought to look like because sports has all the social elements that we look for. We have an agreed upon goal. We have a community of people, not just your team, but the other team as well, because remember, if there wasn't another team, you wouldn't be playing games. All right, so there's a whole community of people who are together. Of different And it's different kinds of people working together, players, coaches, parents, the, the, the team mom who takes care of everything I hate taking care of. There's a sense of growth and development, a sense of celebration and mourning, and a discernible and definable culture. Ask an athlete. Each sport's got their own culture, and they are not all the same. But all these things are super religious. They're things we kind of expect out of religion as well. And it isn't limited to the players on the team either. Everyone is on board. Everyone is a part of the experience. No one is left behind. On teams, community is built to support children, to support athletes. And in a lot of ways, having learned from that, we now expect our religious experiences to do the same thing, to have meaningful community, a singular purpose. Not to mention a decent amount of excitement on Sunday morning. Sports is forming us. It's forming our expectations, our relationships, our sense of purpose. One might even say that in the act act of sports, we are experiencing some kind of spiritual formation. And in this way, it can be a powerful entryway into faith. As Christians, we shouldn't be scared of that. We should be fascinated by that. Anytime people are being formed in their spirit, you go, I wonder what's going on with that? Tell me more. What's going on here, and why is this speaking to you so well? And so how can we think about that as a church, not to be fearful of it, but to lean into it as people who are engaged and invested in the process of spiritual formation? We'll enter the story of Luke. Our scriptures tell a story that looks an awful lot like a sports game to me. And no, it's not the typical sports passages, It is the story of the four guys and their friend laying on the mat. They have a friend who is paralyzed, and they hear that Jesus is coming to town. They know him as a miracle worker, and they have a friend who needs a miracle. It's a common goal and a common purpose. And they go to the most extraordinary lengths to get him help. Gee, the whole house is full of people. They can't get in. And so they climb up on the roof and they literally tear the roof off the house to lower this man down. And you can imagine the scene. Like, just go stand in that house in your mind for a second and look up and watch this dude coming through the roof. It really is one of those stories you go, Really? Like, that, that's what happened? They tear the roof off. Jesus knows what they're after. But Jesus says what might be for us an unexpected thing. He says, not that you are healed. He says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus recognizes that this man's needs, yes, he's paralyzed. Yes, he's got a physical need. But Jesus gets to the deeper, more, more powerful need that he has. He needs to know that God has forgiven him. Because in that state of paralysis, almost certainly he would have imagined that God is punishing him for something. Something must have gone wrong. It must have been his parents or his kids or he screwed up somewhere. His wife, you know, did something wrong with his wife. I don't know. But almost certainly, and we all do this, we're like, something bad has happened to me. Therefore, there is sin in my life. Jesus recognizes that and says the paralysis is not the issue. The issue is you need to know you are forgiven and loved. And that's what Jesus says. Your sins are forgiven. He recognizes this man's main concern. His soul needed tending more than his legs did. And point number one, we might take away from this is those of us who are invested in sports and those of us who are affected by sports culture, which is all of us, is that each and every person, friends, on the bleachers, on the field, the coaches, referees, ooh, there's one that'll touch you, even refs, all of them are children of God, longing to know that they are loved. And they are longing for formation, knowing they're forgiven, having a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning in the world. And surprise, surprise, those who are longing for that aren't limited to the church, but, they, but it finds its way everywhere. It finds its way to a pitcher's mound, a show ring, a face-off dot, yes, even on the bleachers. Each and every person you encounter is looking for an encounter with God to know they are loved. The Christian recognizes this and leans into it as a critical component of these experiences, surrounding each person with a community that loves them and say, we do love you, you're okay, you're part of us, and we want to care for you. And notice what it took for this man to get healed. This man's soul required this group of people willing to tear the roof off if necessary and also willing to be silent at the time in the face of the maker as necessary. They both show a tremendous amount of, of energy and then at the right time they're completely silent knowing that God is doing something that they themselves can't do. The paralyzed man, ladies and gentlemen, couldn't do it alone. It took a group of people willing to put themselves on, their, on the line, willing to inconvenience themselves for this man's spiritual formation. Jesus recognizes this, honors it, and changes this man's life in a moment. So for us as a church, wherever we gather, when our folks are on the bleachers and on the field, Yes, sometimes even when that collides with church, as it's happening for my own family this morning. You may notice Jenny and the kids are not here. They are at at a pig show, something they've wanted to do for years. And finally, everything worked out. They were able to go down to Timonium today. I'm cool with it. You know why? Because they're experiencing spiritual formation in this. When our folks are there, they enter into a spiritually robust and dynamic world. The worst thing we can do is, like the Pharisees in our story, is to insist that God's formational spirit can only unfold in certain places. Children's, pa- children, parents, coaches, whomever, they are, when they are in those arenas, they are engaged in creating stories that will shape them for a lifetime. This happened for me. I was spiritually formed when I struck out 17 batters in a six-inning game and I was spiritually formed when I was cut as a freshman from the JV baseball team. Great success and great failure forms me, as it does for all of us who participate in these things. These things matter, and if we say they don't matter, well then we shouldn't wonder that people are like, we don't care about the things that I care about. So as a congregation, let us bless the journey. Let us ask, how did it go? What did you learn? Tell me the story, tell me what happened. And in that way, church becomes a place that expands our imaginations, encourages spiritual awareness, and becomes a place of encouragement and celebration when time allows. And for those of you who find yourselves on the bleachers, those of you who wrestle with this and at times have your kids in church and at other times you've got to be on the bleachers, those of you who are in that arena, out of church doesn't mean out of mind and it doesn't mean out of the presence of God. We have a full expectation that you do faith while you're there. Remember that God is present. It's Pentecost after all. God's everywhere. There's nowhere you can go away from God's spirit. So be the guys lowering this paralyzed man through the roof. Be committed to the people around you. They are the people God has put in front of you to serve with love and compassion. Keep the goal in mind. That's something that we need reminding. And the goal is not to Win. Winning's nice, winning's part of the journey, but the goal is not to win. The goal is to be formed. Keep that in mind. And remember that as we seek after these goals, remember there are times to have a certain amount of chutzpah because it takes a lot of guts to tear a roof off. And then there are other times to be silent, to just let the work unfold. As the Apostle Paul writes, teach one another to celebrate success. Oh, excuse me. Teach one another to celebrate success. Learn how to mourn and learn how to learn from failure. As Paul says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and you will have them. Bless and do not curse. Yes, even at the ump. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. That's not just instructions for here. That's instructions for life. There are no boundaries or walls around these things. Embrace the journey and invite others to join in. And maybe, just maybe, the church that celebrates God's presence everywhere and celebrates the work of her saints in all the places where we find ourselves may very well be the place where more people are wondering You know what? I connected with God on the bleachers. I connected with God on the pitcher's mound. I connected with God in a special way at the show ring because somebody was there for me. Maybe, just maybe, I can connect with God in a pew as well. And maybe, just maybe, people will connect with God in this space. In the unique way that we connect with God here, yes. But not, not unique so that it doesn't happen anywhere else. People might just say, you know what? Maybe there's more to church than I thought. And maybe, just maybe, they learn that at the ball field. Amen.